0: Welcome back to Camden Cast, your Baltimore Orioles podcast from CamdenChat.com. Joining you once again for our last podcast of the regular season. It's kind of sad. I am Mark Brown, Eat More SK on Camden Chat. Joining me from the wherever he is in the, uh, in the baseball <laughs> statistics world, my partner in crime, Andrew Gibson. Andrew, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am pretty good too, uh, except I'm really mad about the Orioles destroying Brian Mattis' confidence or whatever the heck they think they're doing. Uh, It happened on Monday night. They threw him out under the steamroller in that Boston game, and I'm just still mad about it. So I'm going to start by ranting about it, because honestly, he's looked terrible all season. He's made 11 starts, and uh, his ERA has gone up in... 10 of those 11 starts, and I believe the one it went down, it went down by like point two from something like 8.8 8 to like 8.6. Well, that hardly counts. So it really hardly counts. And so, I mean, when you're talking about him working on ERAs of 8 or higher for the bulk of those starts, it's really impressive level of futility. And somehow the Orioles thought it would be a good idea to send him out against a Boston lineup that's trying to cling to a wild card spot. And it's really driven me crazy because I don't understand what they could have possibly seen to think that they shouldn't just shut him down and send him home. And not only have they done that, but I've just read tonight on the Orioles Insider blog on the Sun that they're thinking about giving Brian Mattis another start, possibly Sunday in the finale against Detroit, or if Tommy Hunter who has a strained groin is unable to pitch on Monday. They might have Mattis start again against the Red Sox. What? I mean, if you're looking for evidence that the Orioles have no idea what they're doing, you can point to this Brian Mattis all season cuz it's just been a disaster. It continues to be a disaster. And somehow they're just throwing him back out there or considering throwing him back out there, and I just it's beyond my comprehension at this point.
1: I was talking to a coworker of mine who uh, works in the minor leagues and we were saying he had during his sort of rehab time after he came back and at the end of June he was doing very very poorly so they sent him back down to AAA which was actually the first time he had ever been at AAA which was a little strange and he you know, struggled a little bit, but then he had one really, really outstanding game against the uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, which is actually my local team now in Allentown, Pennsylvania.
0: Who is the Lehigh Valley? Uh, aff- who are they affiliated with there?
1: They are the Phillies' okay. AAA team. And there's not a lot of prospects. They had Dom Brown was on there for a little bit, and Vance Worley was on there at the beginning of the season. But it's mostly... Guys like Pete Orr and Ronnie Belliard was on there for a while. So random and,
0: scrubs like the Orioles have at Norfolk.
1: Yeah, right. It was a very good A team, just no prospects or anything like that. Right. And he had a really good outing against them. I do not have that game log in front of me, but it was something like seven innings, seven strikeouts. And then they brought him up. like They were just waiting for him to have that one game as if they thought the light was just going to, be flipped on, and he's. they haven't sent him back down, not that they can at this point. But Right,
0: so his, fir- his first like... game back in the major leagues, he was against Oakland, and he went 6.2 innings, six and two-thirds innings. He gave up six earned runs. That was the one start all year where his earned run average went down, and it went from 8.77 to 8.63. That was after giving up six earned runs in six and two-thirds innings.
1: You know, that's probably... As stupid as it sounds, that might be his best start this year. Because he almost went seven innings. He struck that out more guys than he That is start
0: he's gone more than six.
1: Right. And, you know, it's been all downhill since then. And that's not exactly a, a high starting point. And what sort of stands out to me, just looking at the stat line, it's a lot of hits. It's a lot of hits. And I know that, you know, I've watched the games and I can see they're getting really good contact off of him. But... This is not a good defensive Orioles team. I no. mean, you have to it, wonder how much of that belongs on the defenders. I have. In the field I've, yeah,
0: I've wondered that about the Orioles all season, really. It, I mean, it can't have helped, But you know, you look at the radar gun. I'm assuming Madison's gun is accurate, and Mattis is maybe throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs, and there's like no movement, and you know, no wonder he gets lit up like he did in Boston the other night.
1: Oh yeah, the control is just not there. I, w- I was. Watching the Boston game, and I'm not sure I could count on one hand how many times he actually hit the glove. Like, he was just missing by feet, not inches. And I I really I have no idea what's wrong with him, but I also have no idea what is to be gained by throwing him back out there against Boston, no less.
0: Like, do they want to see if maybe he can have another start where his ERA doesn't go up? Because it's 10.68, so, I mean, really... It would have to be another astoundingly bad start to keep going up. But his last two starts, one against New York and one against Boston, were both astoundingly bad. One in a third innings, five earned runs against New York. One and two thirds innings, six earned runs against Boston.
1: And it'd be one thing if that was sort of the outlier, like when Zach Britton had those two terrible, terrible starts against the Yankees and the Red Sox. And you, you maybe you get the sense that the Orioles... Like underestimate them a little. Like they, they throw these guys out there against them, and then like they're gonna struggle. Those are the two best offensive teams in baseball.
0: That's what it comes down to. Do the Orioles even have any awareness of what is going on? You know, are they watching this stuff? They have to be. But I I don't I don't know how we can could both conclude yes they see what's going on and oh they're gonna maybe give Brian Mattis another start.
1: Well. What I can, I guess, guess at, because we have to guess at it. Um, it's been theorized. I think Mattis himself said it. I know Stacy's said it. That uh, this might be more mental than physical.
0: Right, because um, the pitching codes change going right. from... Right, and the it's just been a hard to, season.
1: Yeah. You know, anybody would get to this point and just be wiped out.
0: Plus he started out with the intercostal injuries sure. anyway. And who knows um, how much... Maybe he wasn't totally recovered from that when he started back uh, there.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it snowballs. It's like any other job where you have some success and then you have those expectations. And then you can't, stuff happens to you and you can't duplicate that success. And this is to a very extreme degree because I think at this point he has the worst ERA of any starter with at least 10 starts. In baseball, since like Roy Halladay's 2000, and of course because it's Roy Halladay, everybody will make the connection that Roy Halladay bounced back from it. But yeah. he had a terrible 2000. He had to go back to the minors and like completely redefine who he was as a pitcher.
0: And he came um, back, and he was Roy Halladay. But I don't, right. I don't think Brian Mattis can go down to Norfolk and suddenly <laughs> come up and be a power. Uh, yeah, it, it's
1: pitcher. not a very good c- comparable no. situation. But you know, things just they they can get on you really quick, and then before you know it, you know, it, it's easy to lose your hope. I certainly in would. This
0: game. I certainly would believe there's that kind of mental component could be at play. But if I mean, if you and I can draw that inference, well, are I'm Orioles, just guessing, I'm, of course know? it's just a guess. But I mean, it has to be running through the Orioles' head, right? I mean, they. they They have to think about these things. They have to.
1: Well, I'm thinking they talk to him every day. They they're working very closely with him. Maybe they're they're seeing something, and they're hoping. You know, maybe they're just hoping he doesn't end his season with that stinker in Boston. You know, I don't know that it can get a whole lot worse
0: than that. It would be it would be hard to be worse than that. That's for sure. But
1: but on at the same time, I have no idea what's to be gained from throwing him back out to the wolves because it's not like it's going to be easy against boston boston's still fighting for a playoff spot it's not going to be easy against detroit detroit's a very good baseball team and he'll probably be going up against a very good pitcher so i i i don't understand what the upside here is
0: so we are we're totally mystified by this and honestly i hope these i hope they just decide not to throw him out there again cuz i just I have a feeling it's going to be somehow even worse, and uh, that's just what I think. And I would love to be proven wrong.
1: Yeah, I think at this point we just have to see what happens next spring. If he can come in and sort of wipe the slate clean.
0: Definitely, they just they should they should have him back wherever he goes. Right now, he should be gone. Like Chris Tillman got sent home, and you know, tell him this is what you're doing over the winter. Show up looking in this shape, whatever shape that needs to be. I don't know. And, you know, we'll forget last year ever happened. Clean slate. Let's go. And they haven't done it. And it's I don't get it.
1: (laughs) Well, we do not know for a fact at this point that we are going to see him pitch this weekend or next week. Um, I think we can pretty much agree, though, that it it would probably be a mistake to a large mistake. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, I think it would be much worse if they sent him out against Boston because with Detroit, at least, it's not one of the top two offenses in baseball. And also Detroit as a ballpark is much more favorable to pitchers than Camden Yards is. And
0: Detroit also seems to be comfortable to kind of coast into the playoffs at this point. They don't.
1: Maybe, yeah.
0: I mean, based on what they did tonight. I'm not sure there's
1: a lot of that going on. I don't know.
0: Tonight, they threw out a lot of guys who were bums, and they could have put in better guys.
1: Well, I'm just saying, they're still going to try. If Mattis is throwing meatballs in the middle of the plate, they're still going to hit him hard. Yeah,
0: even, you know, Ryan Rayburn with a sub-300 on base percentage is going to connect, and whoever else.
1: Yeah, right, exactly.
0: So that's enough Ryan Mattis. So we actually wanted to do this podcast, do a little playoff preview. Now... The Orioles, just uh, just a little short coming into the playoffs this season. Didn't quite make it, so obviously we don't get to talk about them. And actually, it's hard to say what we do get to talk about right now, because Boston is in the middle of possibly an epic collapse in the American League, which throws those possible matchups uh, into disarray. And Atlanta is in the middle of a possible epic collapse for the National League wildcard, which also throws those matchups into disarray but let's just speculate if the season ended today the matchups would look like this it would be actually i don't know what they would look like (laughs) because because texas lost today and detroit as we are recording this podcast is losing to the orioles and their record would be the same i don't know how that tiebreaker goes so i don't know Um, new york is playing either texas or detroit and then the other is playing boston
1: right what is that tiebreaker I don't know.
0: Yeah, this is, this is another one of those things where we're the worst podcasts.
1: Uh... I feel like it's probably like head-to-head matchup Detroit versus Texas. I was just reading something about this. This is super annoying that I can't remember. If it's head-to-head matchup, Detroit has the advantage over Texas.
0: Okay. So if the season ended right this very second... On the evening of september the twenty second two thousand eleven, then it would be the Yankees are playing Texas, and Detroit is playing Boston, so
1: that would be in Detroit and in the Bronx,
0: yes, the Yankees would have the home field advantage <laughs> in the division round, and then Detroit would have the home field advantage so let's let's go with that so the Yankees versus Texas. What do you think comes out of that uh,
1: well, it's hard to make an argument that the Yankees aren't heavy, heavy favorites. Although, in a five-game series, a heavy, heavy favorite is something like 59% to win. Right. Um, anything
0: anything can happen in a five-game series is always the key takeaway.
1: Right. But they're going to have a better offense, a better bullpen, I, which is weird because Texas made so many efforts to... Improve their bullpen with Mike Gonzalez and Mike Adams and Koji down there, but I think New York has Rivera and Robertson.
0: It's a pretty and nasty Stommer, combo yeah. for the eighth, ninth inning. So as far as the rotation, so the Yankees probably would go with what three starters, and they'd say Sabathia, Nova, and either the uh, resurrected corpse of Freddy Garcia or the resurrected stem cell injected corpse of Bartolo Colon,
1: <laughs> who got lit up tonight. Unless he didn't start, I wasn't watching that game. And then Texas would throw out CJ Wilson and Derek Holland and Colby Lewis.
0: That sounds good. Probably sounds not
1: going to start Alexei Ogando um, since he's sort of struggled down the stretch. Yeah. So CJ Wilson's great and he can match up with Sabathia well.
0: Matt Harrison might be a Texas
1: Matt guy Harrison. there too. Um, And Holland, Holland, I believe, has really struggled with New York, which makes sense because, like I said, they're such a good offensive team. They
0: are a monster team, which makes sense when they have a monster payroll of $207 million.
1: (laughs) Well, you you know, it's it's sort of neither here nor there. Um, But, hey, Texas showed last year, and San Francisco, that it's not... Really, who's better? It's more who's better tonight.
0: Yep. Certainly, we've seen some. So you can uh, say that about everybody. Like that. But, yeah. you
1: know, who's, who would bet against the Yankees? And that pains me to say because I hate the Yankees. I, but I, I can see Texas beating them. Texas is very good, but I can see the Yankees beating them very easily. It seems like the most likely scenario,
0: and it pains me to say it too, is a Yankee victory. So we'll we'll stake our credibility on that prediction there. As okay. So Detroit against Boston. Boston is a train wreck right now. I don't see yeah. how you can say, Oh, Boston, they're gonna turn it around. I mean there was a story was so- there was a story today about the Red Sox that they were trying to acquire Chris Capuano from the Mets just to make one start on Sunday. That's how much of a disaster they're
1: well yeah and they, uh, they, they are need right they need something. Cause what is it? they're not gonna send Wakefield back out there, they're in a pennant race. Yeah.
0: And they can't keep throwing John Lackey out there. And it's 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 really a mess for the Boston pitching staff right now. So Detroit has Verlander, Detroit has Fister. Detroit has Miguel Cabrera. Let's go with Detroit. And of course, all this is subject to Boston being the wildcard team, because if Boston has an epic collapse and the Angels sneak in, for instance, that changes the calculus entirely, because then the Angels I play think, New York, and Detroit plays Texas.
1: I actually think the Angels and New York would be a much more interesting series than New York and Texas, or would have Boston a good and, and Detroit.
0: crew, and it would be, yeah. it would be pretty interesting.
1: You know, it's a lot. I, I think I read something at some point, and where the three things that are most important to postseason success are uh, late inning relief, solid front end starters, and I, I think defense, actually, where it, it the whole thing becomes less can you out slug the other team and more can you keep the other team down because you're always going to be facing. Good offense.
0: Right. Always going to be their best pitchers. Always going to be their best offense.
1: Right. And everybody's got a great number one. But then you get to number two, number three, and the Angels have Heron and Weaver and Santana. Not that Heron and Santana acquitted themselves well in Baltimore. But uh, I would feel a lot more comfortable with those two guys as opposed to Ivan Nova and Bartolo Colon.
0: So it would be interesting if that happened, mostly because as an Oriole fan, I would enjoy seeing the Boston Epic collapse. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not afraid to take a little uh, shade in Freud, or however you actually pronounce that word, because I don't use it in conversation except when I'm typing.
1: But It's, it's great because they are still heavy favorites to win the postseason because they're up by... Yeah, if the
0: Rays win and they're up like 13 to to 2, and as we're saying this, uh, so, you know, that's going to make it two games with six games to go.
1: Yeah. You know, it's pretty hard, even if Boston is going to just choke away all of these games for Tampa Bay to catch them up because Tampa Bay's still got to play New York. Right. So So Boston
0: has three games against the Yankees, and I think Tampa
1: closes out against the Yankees,
0: and Boston closes out against the Orioles.
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: So the Orioles can still keep on playing spoilers or whatever.
1: It's fun all these teams are fighting for the wild card and they keep getting Baltimore at the end of their seasons and they're like, "Okay, like we need these three games." This is one of the worst teams in the league. And then the Orioles have just been on fire. And
0: incidentally, this is the only <laughs> this is the first three series stretch all year where the Orioles won all three consecutive series and that's been against Tampa Bay and Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim, Orange County, California, United States of America, Earth, Soul, Milky Way, cetera, Universe, yep. and Boston.
1: What Do you attribute it to anything? I don't.
0: I don't think it has you any. You don't think it,
1: it has any meaning whatsoever? I mean,
0: last year, sorry, last year I was like, oh, it's Buckshow Walter. And this year, I've seen more Buckshow Walter, and I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't <laughs> Buckshow Walter.
1: You don't think it's like the team has the weight of... Kevin Gregg is their closer off of them. It, I mean, and it's inspired it, everybody to play it could much be better. Anything.
0: You know, maybe they're just playing for pride now. And the, that's got them where when they were actually, you know, trying to win, they're doing better than that. It's, you know, could be anything.
1: Or maybe these teams just kind of stink right now. Yeah. It, you know, Boston, this does not look like Boston. I read today that Adrian Gonzalez has like a heavy shoulder pain. And Euclid is out with multiple ailments, and who knows what's up with John Mackey. Right.
0: I mean, what we saw out of them in that series, they're trying to hold off the guys for the wild card, and there's Darnell McDonald out there in the outfield, just
1: <laughs> very doing Corey, Corey so Patterson impersonation yeah. out
0: there, really. We're split into two parts once again, and this is the end of part one. In part two, there's about another 20 minutes where Andrew and I finish going through our playoff predictions along with how you choose a team to root for in the postseason when your team, like the Orioles, is not involved. We hope you'll join us there. For now, this is Camden Cast, and we're out.